I'm Emily and I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 12 starting at verse 18 and going to verse 27. So that's Mark chapter 12 verse 18 to 27. And Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection and they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the brother and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is it not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Uh, great to see you all. My name's Jared. I'm the pastor here at HWC. Lovely to get to open God's word and preach it this morning. Uh, please will you join me as we pray. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you. You are good and glorious. You rule supreme over this world that you've made. Uh, you love us, even though we don't deserve it. And Lord, thank you that you have spoken to us. Uh, you've given us your word. And um, we pray that you'd help us understand it this morning. Help me to speak faithfully, uh, to preach boldly. And uh, yeah, pray that all of us would be built up in our understanding of you uh, and what you've done for us. In our understanding of who you are and who we are. And help us, Lord, uh, this morning to understand you more deeply, to know you more. And we pray that this will affect us not only today, but into the future. In, Je in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, last week uh, we saw the, the Pharisees and uh, the Herodians come up against Jesus and try to bring him down. If you remember, the Pharisees were those religious elite guys and the Herodians were those political elite guys. And they, they were these two groups that, that they were enemies, really, but they were brought together by their common opposition and hatred of Jesus. Uh, today we have another group, um, not the Pharisees, not the Herodians, but the Sadducees, and the Sadducees were another group that were opposed to Jesus. Now, we're in a sort of a section of Mark's gospel where we're seeing these, these people, particularly these elite people, come up against Jesus and try to bring him down. Uh, they're, they're, they're angry at Jesus. They don't like the way that he challenges their systems. They don't like what he does in, and what he says and what he teaches, uh, and they just want to bring him down. They, they want to they wanna cause Jesus... To, to come to an end. They actually want to kill him. Uh, that's how fierce their opposition to Jesus is. The Sadducees today, um, they, they're a, another religious elite sort of group. So they're, they're different from the Pharisees. Um, they, they didn't have all the same beliefs as the Pharisees, but they were Jews and they were a group that was kind of high up there in the religious side of things. They had positions on councils and things like that. So they were well-respected in that regard. 
the one thing that Mark tells us about them that he signals out here is in that verse 13, uh, or sorry, 18. Um, they, they say there is no resurrection. They say that there's no resurrection. So what does that mean? Well, for, to give you an idea, most of the Jews believed that there was going to be a resurrection. Now that means at the end of time, God would raise everyone from the dead. So uh, you wouldn't just float away uh, somewhere just as your soul, but no, you would come back, that your body would be raised and that God would judge the whole world. And, um, and so most Jews had this idea that there was going to be a universal resurrection. Uh, but the Sadducees didn't, didn't believe that. Uh, so they, they kind of thought, this life is all you get. That's it. You, you, you live here. You die. There's no resurrection. That, that's it. Um, so that's pretty similar in a lot of ways to what our world thinks, that you, you live, you die, that's it. Um, and so there's nothing new under the sun. This was around a long time ago. People thought like this. Uh, they, 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 they didn't really have much in the way of spiritual uh, sort of belief in things like angels and stuff like that. Um, so Jesus even mentions angels in this passage. Um, it's, there's, there's, there's different ideas about who they were, but, but they kind of are known for acknowledging the, the five books of Moses. So the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, they, 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 they said, yep, we agree to that. Um, but aside from that, they were kind of uh, like, they would have acknowledged they believe in God, but definitely no resurrection, um, no coming back. Once you're dead, you're dead. So they, they, they had this, this belief that they, that lack of belief, I guess you could call it, um, in, in people being raised from the dead. And so uh, what we've got is a group that's like our world in a lot of ways. Uh, a group that thinks this life is all, all we get. Now, when we go out evangelizing, we meet a lot of people who think like that, um, who, who think, yeah, there's, there's some kind of higher power, but we have no hope of, you know, really knowing him, and there's no, there's no life beyond the grave, you know. Come off it, stop, stop making up stories. Um, and, and, then, and they may even acknowledge something to do with the Ten Commandments, like, oh, yeah, the Ten Commandments, they're good. Uh, they also happen to be in the, in the first five books of, of the Bible. We see them there. Um, so we, we have a, a group that really is a lot like the groups that we're surrounded with today, a group that gives some kind of acknowledgement to Moses, you know, yeah, Ten Commandments, great. Um, a group that, that really says there's nothing beyond the grave um, and a group that, that, that kind of believes in vague, some vague sense of that there is, there is a God, but, you know, what do we do with him? Um, so they're not exactly the same, but there are a number of similarities there. And so while they're different to the Pharisees and the Herodians, they came to Jesus with the same aim. They also wanted to bring Jesus down. They, they didn't like what Jesus was teaching. Uh, Jesus posed a challenge to them. Jesus is on about the resurrection of the dead. He's on about himself rising from the dead. Uh, that was what he told his disciples. And he, he'd, he'd made these promises and, and he clearly, clearly believed and taught the resurrection. Jesus actually rose people from the dead, people like Lazarus. And so he was serious and on about the resurrection. So these, these Sadducees, they come, they come to Jesus. Uh, they cite Moses because who else are they going to cite? Uh, they, they believe in those first five books. So uh, they bring up uh, some elaborate story. Uh, so they, 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 they come to Jesus and they've made, they, they think they've got him. Again, we have another group who think they've got Jesus and they don't. Uh, but but their, their, their story is, it's, it's kind of impressive at the scale of which the, 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 
the amount of time and effort they've put in to making this story. So I'll tell it for you and hopefully uh, you can see what, where they were going. So they come up to Jesus and they, 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 remember they're trying to discount and discredit the resurrection. This isn't a genuine question. This is just them trying to expose Jesus. So they come up to Jesus and, and they go, you know, hey Jesus, teacher, you know, let's, let's call him something respectful. Moses, Moses wrote for us uh, that, that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, then the brother has to marry the wife to, to give children for the first brother. So, so, so imagine, imagine we've, got, we've got one guy and we've got uh, his wife to begin with. So he's the first brother and that's his wife. They get married. Uh, sadly, they don't have any kids and he dies. Uh, according to the law of Moses, his brother, the next brother, would be required to marry that lady uh, and then produce offspring for his brother. So, so he would have children who would then be for his brother. Everyone understand that so far? Yep, cool. So they say, they bring this to Jesus and they say, yeah, you know, you're familiar with this. That's what Moses told us. So imagine this scenario. You've got a guy and he's there. He marries uh, a wife. Uh, they don't have any kids. Uh, he dies. And so uh, there's no offspring. So his brother then comes and marries her. Um, and he dies. And you know what? Second time around, no offspring, uh, no children. And uh, okay, so, so that, that's, that's twice it's happened. The third brother comes along. He marries her, you know, uh, and no children. Okay, so, so um, <laughs> that's not enough brothers. Fourth time. <laughs> fourth time. So, you know, there, there's the fourth brother. You know, he's particularly good looking. And maybe, maybe he's got, you know, he's going he's gonna to produce children for the first brother. We're really confident in the fourth brother. He comes along. They get married. Beautiful wedding. Lovely ceremony. Everyone's crying. Lots of speeches. Everyone's happy. Finally, they're going to have kids except no, no children. And then on top of that, he dies too. You know, so, so that's four down. But wait, there's more. It's okay, there's, it's not, not just four brothers, there's more than that. So the fifth brother, he comes along, he marries the wife and you know, yep, okay, are they gonna have kids? No, no, no kids, alas, that's it, okay. Sixth, all right, yeah, let's have a sixth brother. The sixth brother comes along, he marries her. Do they have any kids? No, no kids. Alas, what a, what a shame. You know, they're getting so close. But wait, wait, there's one more brother. There's one more brother. Okay. So the seventh brother, they, they co he comes along, he marries the lady, they, you know, have a wedding, so on, they get married. They, and this guy, come on, surely, surely this guy, come on, Sadducees, you know, you've got you to you give something in your story. They get, they get married, they, oh, they don't have any kids either. So then what happens? He dies. So, so all seven brothers marry this lady, uh, produce no offspring. He dies. They all die. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They all die. And you know what's more? She dies. No children. No children for them at all. Um, and so, again, this is not them trying to ask a genuine question. This is them spinning a yarn to try and catch Jesus out. Um, they're trying to find a loophole based in the law uh, to try and bring Jesus down. And so they bring this crazy elaborate story of seven brothers. Uh, it's like Snow White and the seven brothers. <laughs> um, and, and they all marry her, but they all die, and they produce no children, and then she dies. And so then, then you can just imagine them feeling pretty proud of themselves at that point, and then just going, so, so Jesus, uh, who's she going to be married to in the resurrection? Because they were all married to her. So, so in, when, when they rise from the dead, whose wife will she be? 
and you can just feel the undercurrents of how ridiculous, Jesus, how ridiculous is it that people rise from the dead? What are you talking about? Like, marriage makes no sense when we talk about the resurrection of the dead. How on earth can she be married to all of these men all, all at the same time? And so they, they, they've, they've got this, this underlying, uh, all of these underlying assumptions where they're trying to discredit Jesus and bring him down. They think he's crazy for saying uh, that there's a resurrection of the dead, that people are going to come back to real life. Um, but what they've done is they've, they've made an assumption which is just not true. They've assumed that the way things are here is the way it's going to be the same there. And they've thought, well, you know, we have marriage here, so there must be marriage in the same way there, uh, which is a wrong assumption. But before Jesus tells them why they're, sorry, before Jesus tells them how they're wrong, he tells them why they're wrong. So Jesus, in a moment, will we'll, we'll get to, you know, uh, how they're wrong, what, what their misunderstandings were. But before he does that, he actually tells them why. He, he says, is this not the reason why you're wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. They don't know what God has said and they don't know what God can do. Uh, they don't know the scriptures, they don't know the power of God. Now, uh, when you think about that, that's quite an interesting charge for Jesus to level at them because they've just been citing what? The scriptures. They've just been citing the Bible and yet Jesus says you don't know it. So that's really interesting, isn't it? Because you think, okay, so... They, 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 they know it in some sense, but they don't know it in the sense that Jesus is talking about. You see, they don't know the scriptures in that they don't see, they don't perceive, they don't understand what the scriptures are really saying. They don't really understand it. They can, it's, you can know stuff from this book without, it, without really knowing it if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, you, can, you, can, you can fill your head with knowledge, um, but if you don't actually believe it, cherish it, know it, understand it, see it, then, you're, then you've missed it. it, it it's, just, it's just stuff, facts in your mind. Uh, there are plenty of smart people out there. I just read a book by one who knows a lot about the Bible, and, but he's not a Christian. He doesn't know Jesus. And this is what the, the situation of our, of our Sadducees today, they, they knew stuff about the Bible. Uh, they, they, they could quote Moses like that, uh, but they didn't know the scriptures. They didn't know what God has said. They didn't see what he said. They didn't, they didn't have ears to hear or eyes to see what God had to say. And so not only uh, do they not know God's word, they don't know God's work. Uh, they... They don't know the power of God, Jesus says. Uh, they have too small a view of God. They think resurrection from the dead, that sounds a bit much, you know. The, 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 the idea that the God would somehow bring people back to life, no, no. No one can do that. No one. Surely not. They didn't know the power of God. They didn't know his awesome glory and reign and rule over this universe. The God who rules over the tiniest atom to the largest galaxy. For this God, there is nothing too difficult. He can do everything and anything, anything he wants. He spoke the world into being. He said words and stuff was made. This is power. This is the awesome God. Um, there's a 
I was staying with some people recently when I was over in Queensland, and uh, one of the guys said uh, he he was chatting to some people, and they um they were talking about how oh you know when God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites to walk through, uh, it was like a stream, like like it was a stream, and he was like what what are you, what are you talking about? And um and and so they're like oh I'm 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 imagining now if you think of like uh, the bottom of Les Murdy Falls where there's the trickle, this is this is the kind of picture that they're giving. Oh you know. There's a, there's a stream, so God parted the stream, and then the, the Israelites walked through on dry ground. And they're trying to downplay God's power. Uh, my friend, in response to that, said, well, actually, that's more amazing, because God managed to drown all of those Egyptians <laughs> in the stream. <laughs> Just like, yeah, which I thought was a really, really good answer to that. Um, it's like, people just have a difficult time grasping how powerful God is. God is huge. He is awesome. He's infinite. There is nothing that's too hard for him. He made this world. He rules it. He gives us the breath in our lungs, the sight in our eyes. Everything we have comes from him. He rules it all. From the tiniest atom to the largest galaxy, God rules over everything. There's nothing outside of his control. Nothing that takes him by surprise. Nothing that he can't do. This is God. And so Jesus tells them, these Sadducees who, who've come up saying, uh, challenging the resurrection, that they don't know the scriptures and they don't know the power of God. They don't know what God has said and they don't know what God can do. And so Jesus, with that uh, underlying groundwork, then provides them with an answer. He says, in the resurrection, so that's when God raises people from the dead at the end of time, people won't be married and they won't be getting married. That's, that's just not how, how it works then. Uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know that there is, there is a marriage in heaven, but that's between Jesus and his bride, the church. It's not the individual marriages like, say, me and culture. We're married in this life, but when one of us dies, that marriage ceases to, to exist. Um, I hope we, we continue to live for a long time and get to enjoy that um, for longer. But in heaven, we're going to be in an even more amazing marriage a marriage between Jesus and his church, the bride. And so we have that to look forward to. But it's not the, it's not the same as those individual marriages that we enjoy here and now. Uh, so they've, they've taken this, this wrong assumption that things have to work exactly the same way there. And so if they don't, then there's a problem with the idea of resurrection. But their, their underlying assumption they've baked into their question um, and so they, they've, they've tried to discredit Jesus um, with, with, this, with this really crazy argument. Uh, they've assumed that it has to be the same, and that's why there can't be the resurrection. But who says it has to be the same? Uh, it was the Sadducees who said that it had to be the same. But God hadn't set it up that way. God had set it up so that there would be a marriage in heaven, but it would be the ultimate marriage of Jesus and his bride, the church, not the individual marriages that we enjoy here and now. And so Jesus says people will be like angels in that regard. Um, we'll be, we, we'll, the angels are not, you know, getting married and having marriages. Um, but, but, and so we too will be like that when, when, we're, when we're there one day. And now Jesus proves it to them. I love this. So he's, he's, he's exposed their reasoning. He's told them why they're wrong. Uh, he's shown them how in the case of uh, uh, the, uh, the marriage, when people rise from the dead, He's shown them why they're wrong. Um, he's shown them how they're wrong. And now he proves it to them. And what does he use to prove it to them? 
the book of the law, Moses. Uh, I love that he does this. He, he could have used anything, but he chose to use the law of Moses to discredit them, uh, to, to expose what they believed and what they claimed to believe in. He points them to the scriptures and he points them to the power of God. And he takes them to a passage that's familiar, familiar to them for sure and familiar, I'm sure, to many of us. That of the burning bush where God appears in the blazing, consuming fire of this bush that is not burned up. God is there appearing in this burning bush and the bush doesn't burn up. It's astonishing to imagine that, like this huge bush, which is filled with God's fire, but it's not disappearing. It's staying there and it's burning and burning brightly. And God spoke to Moses out of that bush. And he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. That's the passage Jesus takes them to. He takes them to this awesome passage of God in the burning bush, proclaiming who he is. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, just for context, if you didn't know, at that time uh, when God said those words to Moses, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob had died. They, they, they were all dead at that point. They, they weren't still kicking around. They, they, they died a while ago. And so this is important to bear in mind. So Jesus takes them to that passage. And after, uh, you can see how he, he actually says to them, have you not read in the book of Moses? There's a, the, you should know this. Like, you, come on, guys. You say you believe in Moses. Well, here we go. What does Moses have to say? God here says that he is, not, not was, but is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus challenges them by saying that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That means that for God to be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, when they've died already, there must be the resurrection from the dead. Because how else can God be the God of the living if, if they are dead never to rise again? God is the living God and he is the God of the living. And so when, when he says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, these guys who were Moses' forefathers who had died, he's telling him that he is their God. He, he, not that he was their God when they were kicking around and now they've gone and, oh, well, that's a bit of a shame, but we'll move on. No, no, he is their God. They are his people and they will be raised from the dead. Uh, they will be together once again. Death is not the final thing. Death does not have the final say. God does. And so we see how Jesus says to them, you believe in Moses? Well, the Torah says that God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And God is not the God of the dead. I'm sure even the Sadducees would agree with that. God is the God of the living. And so he exposes this irrational uh, thinking that has led them to question the resurrection of the dead. Remember that they had this, this underlying problem of not acknowledging the scriptures and not acknowledging the power of God. Not acknowledging God's word and God's work, what God has said and what God can do. And so when we look at the Sadducees, it's easy for us to think, wow, how silly were they? You know, they, they, these people who 
They, they were there with Jesus, walking around, and yet somehow they couldn't get that Jesus uh, is teaching about the resurrection of the dead, and they thought, nah, it's not possible. Um, the number of times I've met people who say, oh yeah, you know, if, if God just like blazed in right now and told me he's God, and you know, then that would be great. Of course I'd believe in him. Uh, that, that I, I'm sure many of us have heard stuff like that. If he could just, you know, raise somebody from the dead for me right now, that'd be excellent. Then I know he's God and it'd be, be all good. The kind of like belief that they're talking about there is not the kind of faith that God is calling us to. They're, they're talking about just a intellectual tick the box of, oh yeah, God can do that stuff. But that's not the same as a trust in Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And so Jesus isn't calling us to merely just have some kind of like, oh yeah, I know stuff in the Bible or I know that God can do stuff like even the demons believe that. No, he's, he's calling us to a trust in him, a belief in him, a personal belief in him, and a relationship with him. So when we think about these questions, uh, that, that what the problems the Sadducees had, their underlying issues of not knowing God's word and not knowing God's work, we are rightly need to look at our, ourselves and look, look at our own hearts. Because, well, for many of us, it might not be the resurrection of the dead that's the presenting issue. Uh, the same underlying problems underlie all of these things, don't they? There's a distrust of God and his word. And there's a, there's a, a lack of belief in God's power. Uh, and th- those kind of things lead to all kinds of uh, issues for us. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, are we taking the Sadducees' viewpoint, the viewpoint that, you know, this life is all there is, kind of, you know, the Ten Commandments are important. God exists, but let's not get silly and believe that people rise from the dead. Do we think like that? Or do we acknowledge that we worship the God who made everything, the God who rules everything, the God who is himself almighty, who really is all-powerful, who can do whatever he wants, and who has spoken to us definitively in his word. Do we know the scriptures and the power of God? That doesn't mean just knowing stuff, but it means seeing, seeing, perceiving, understanding what God has said to us. Do we know what God says? Do we know what God can do? Uh, That he is the God of the living, who brings people back from the dead. Uh, There's nothing that's too hard for him. The God of the Bible is the God who gave us life to begin with. He's also the God who gives us new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we remember that the Bible talks about God raised Jesus from the dead, God has done that. The resurrection age has begun. It's now, but also not yet. We wait for that final consummation where Jesus will return and bring us home. But the resurrection has begun in that Jesus has risen from the dead. And he rules over everything. Jesus has, has ascended to heaven where he rules over this entire world and forevermore. So while there's the issues that, that may be different on the surface, there's this underlying stuff that we need to think about. How, how, how does a lack of trust in the scriptures or in God's power uh, impact my own life? Uh, so uh, I, I'd like to say, first of all, first of all, we have to come to Jesus as, as he calls us to come to him. He calls us to come to him as, as beggars receiving a gift. 
uh, receiving the gift of salvation. That's the first thing. We've got to come to him acknowledging we're rebels uh, and, and, and trusting him as our rescuer. That's step one. Um, and that's the most um, amazing beginning of, of a relationship with Jesus. Wonderful. We get to uh, know him personally. Uh, and so, uh, but how do we do that? Well, we take seriously what God says in, in the word, in the Bible, that we are sinners, uh, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God and that Jesus has come to save us and that we put our trust in him, that he is powerful to save us. We trust him in both of those ways. But it's, it's not just a, a once and done thing where you go like, oh, well, I, I guess I'll, I'll tick that box and then go do whatever I want with my life. Uh, that, that's, that, that would be kind of uh, the, the, the opposite of what, what uh, a real faith in Jesus would then produce in, in your life. Um, when, you, when you get to know Jesus, he changes you. He, he welcomes us as we are, but he doesn't leave us that way. He, he, he keeps working in us, and he does that by his spirit, his Holy Spirit who comes to live in us. And so as we walk the Christian life, I'll give you an example of this in a moment, we see more areas of our lives uh, where we haven't actually uh, submitted to God and where we haven't actually known what he said in that deep way and known what he can do in that deep way. Uh, so the example I've got is from me yesterday. I didn't think that I was going to be the illustration for, for, for this. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's not great, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. So, so I was going to... Um, watch uh, Frio play the Cats. I was very happy with the result, by the way, but that's not the point. Uh, and as I was going there, I'd left it too late uh, to plan how I was going to get there. Um, I, so I thought, well, you know, I'll just leave it, I'll work it out later. Um, anyway, it started to get close to the time, and, um, and so I'd asked Kelsha to drop me um, near the, the bus stop, and so I got near the bus stop, and then I walked around the corner, and as I saw, there was a roadworks section, and so the bus wasn't going that way. So I was like, oh, no, this is not good now. Um, and so then, then, I, then I looked behind me. Well, actually, I crossed the road to go look, see if I could get to the other side of the roadwork. And as I did that, I turned around, and there was the 270 bus <laughs> going that way. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. Um, and so I started running. And, um, like, my pants weren't that tight, so I was trying to... <laughs> try trying to hold them up and also not like drop my wallet and my phone um, and running and um, and like I'd been singing that morning I was just enjoying singing around the house uh, but my throat started hurting so then as I was running I started wheezing <laughs> and I was just like oh no this is terrible um, and I got so panicked I got so flustered I thought this is the end this is the end I'm not gonna get that bus <laughs> My life is ruined. <laughs> I thought, what is going on? I, I, I genuinely, I f like if you'd asked me in that moment, does, does God rule the universe? I would have said, yes, absolutely, he rules the universe. But did I, did I know it at that moment? No, I, I didn't, did I? Like you can see how in my life, like what I knew wasn't actually reflected in how I was living. And I ran, I ended up running for like, two kilometers after after the bus had well and truly gone i don't know what i was doing at that point <laughs> still still panicking still thinking oh you know like 
um, this is, what am I, you know, how, how can I, <laughs> yeah, see, I don't even have the words now. <laughs> uh, just thinking, this is not, this is not right. Uh, how, what am I going to do? How am I ever going to get there on time? What, oh, this is all awful, you know, how, what, what can I do? What can I do? And I forgot to look up. I forgot to look up to God. God is infinite. He's in control. He made me. He made the Fremantle Dockers. He made the Geelong Cats. He made everything. He made this world. He rules it. And uh, he rules over the, the tiny things to the massive things. But we can so easily get distracted from that, can't we? We can think that it's like that he's somewhere far off and he's not interested. Or we think it's up to us and it's all about how we rule and um, how we, we try and keep things under control. But really, all of our control is, is just an illusion, isn't it? I, I wasn't in control of that situation at all. Even if I got on the bus, I wasn't in control of the situation. God is the one who's ruling it, in control of everything. And so, uh, we, when, we, when, we, when we look at our lives, we can see areas where this, these underlying problems of not trusting God's word and not trusting his work in his, in his power uh, presents these different problems on the surface. Uh, and that, and it comes in all different kinds of ways. Uh, it could be things like, you know, running for the bus like me, or maybe it's other things in our lives. You know, mayb- maybe we, we start to doubt God's uh, goodness to us or his love. I think one of the ways we can ask ourselves is, do we have too small a view of God? Like, are there areas in my life where we have too small a view of God? And what are those areas? And for all of us, there are going to be areas. And we're going to see more of them as we live our Christian life. As God uh, lights, shines the light on us and in us, we're going to see more of these areas which are not quite yet what, they, what, they're, what they're going to be, what's, what God is going to make them. Uh, and so as we see that, uh, we, we, need to, we need to come to God, don't we? Uh, we, need to, we need to see him for who he is and not have too small a view of God. Uh, Maybe we have too small a view of God's power. Uh, It's possible that we get caught up thinking like our world, thinking maybe this all is all just a fairy tale and we're not going to rise from the dead like the Sadducees thought. Uh, Maybe maybe it's other stuff. Maybe maybe we have too small a view of God's love. Maybe we don't realize that he loves me, even me, that God loves us. Maybe we have too small a view of God's strength. Uh, maybe we, we don't think that he can, he can rule the whole universe. Maybe we have a too small view of God's sovereignty. Maybe we think that, yes, he rules over the big things, but, you know, the rain or the sun, come on. What are you talking about? No, God rules over it all. Maybe we have too small a view of uh, the future that God has for us, uh, that we're going to be with him, united with him forever, face to face with Jesus, rejoicing in him. Maybe we have too small a view of Jesus and maybe we, we question whether he rose from the dead when the facts all point to the reality that he did it and that he has guaranteed that for us as well. And also as we, as we think about this, the underlying things of the scriptures and the, the power of God, we need to think about uh, how, do, how do we view God's word, what God has said to us in the scriptures uh, do we do we know God's word, or do we just know stuff from from God's word? Do we actually see what He's saying? Uh, and if you think about that illustration of me and the bus, like I at that time, you know, I could have quoted any number of passages to you, 
But did I see in that moment? No, I wasn't seeing. But now I see as I look back and I go, wow, you know, I needed to not just know the stuff that God has said in a, in a, yeah, I'm, for people who may be listening to this, I'm using my hands in lots of interesting ways. Um, we don't need to not just know it in the sense of intellectually comprehending a few things, but we need to know it and then we need to perceive and understand what God is saying to us. And so uh, we need to ask ourselves, do we have too, too low a view of God's word? Uh, now, many of us know that God's word is, is, is the scriptures, that he's given it to us. But we can, we can have in practice, like I did with the bus, uh, a, a lack of, of trust in his word and, and in him. And so we need to look at our lives. We need to see these areas. Um, I was, as I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, should I tell you guys about the bus? <laughs> but it's important that you know that because we're all going to see these areas in our lives. And the thing is that as we see them, uh, not, to, not to just sweep them under the carpet, but to bring them out, to, to confess them to God, and to repent of them. To go, yeah, Lord, I messed up in that regard, but have mercy on me, a sinner. And he's the same God who saves us at the beginning. He's the same God who is with us all along and will be with us for eternity. And so we come to him who is gracious, who is kind, who loves us, and we find great joy and peace in him. So I want to ask you, do you know the scriptures and the power of God? Do you know God's word and what God can do? Do you know what God says and what he is capable of? Do you know that he is the God of the living, not the God of the dead, and that he does rise people from the dead? Do you have that hope yourself that you will be raised from the dead as Jesus has been raised from the dead, that you have that future secure in Jesus? And with that, if you know that, if you don't know that, please do come talk to me. I would love to pray with you and encourage you to put your trust in Jesus. But if you do have that, are there areas where you're going, as I shine the light, as, as, as we read the word and the, the light shines on us, where are areas in my life where I'm not knowing in that true sense the scriptures and the power of God? Where are those areas? And they're going to be different for all of us. It's going to take time and work to see those. But the more that we read the word, the more that we read the scriptures, we see. The more that we understand, we can actually uh, start to see things in our lives that we, we didn't even know. Like you know, there, there, are, there are things in our lives that God will expose by the work of his spirit and his word that we wouldn't even know right now. Uh, but he'll do that as he works in us, uh, as he makes us like him, as he conforms us to the image of Jesus. So we have a great and awesome God, don't we? He is truly awesome. Uh, we, we, can, we can often underestimate how awesome he is. I have the privilege of being a dad. Um, and it's, it's such an awesome thing to have these little people who are these amazing miracles from God in our lives, who keep us up at night and um, who love us. Um, Florence likes to say love you to me and give me a kiss, which is really, really sweet. Um, and she'll, she, she likes to have dad cuddles, which she calls daddles. Um, and one, one, of the, one of the great things about being a parent is getting to teach your kids about God, getting to bring uh, them into a love of God's word, the scriptures, and of God himself. 
I love the songs that we sing with kids. Like there are some real, real good ones in there. Like uh, one that we've been doing lately is um, My God is So, and then Flo goes, big, <laughs> so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's true. Now, when I was running for the bus, I didn't have that song in my head. But it's like, that song is so simple, isn't it? It's so simple. But it captures that truth of God's power and his goodness and his love. My God is so big. There's nothing that's beyond him. So strong. He can do all things. And so mighty. He will do what is necessary And he has done what is necessary to save us. There is nothing my God cannot do. Nothing. He can do whatever he wants. He rules. He is infinite. He's powerful. Another one that I love uh, is he's got the whole world in his hands. I don't know who wrote these songs, but man, like they're not just good for kids. They're, They're good for us as adults too. That he has the whole world in his hands. There's nothing outside of God's control. He rules over the whole world, from from the ants that we see crawling around to the antelopes, anything else beginning with ant or anything else. (laughs) God rules it all, and and he is almighty and powerful. And when we think about those truths, we start to see things in perspective. We start to get things in the right perspective. Those little things that can worry us and throw us off course no longer worry us or throw us off course because we're looking to the God who has them in his hands. Let's talk to him now. Our great and almighty God, we come to you with thanksgiving. You rule over everything. You are the God for whom there is nothing too hard. You can do all things And we thank you that that there is nothing outside of your control. We thank you that you have the whole world in your hands. We thank you that you have made us your children uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that there is this hope, this sure hope, not a wishy-washy hope, but a secure hope in Jesus Christ of resurrection. That for all of us who belong to him, one day we will be raised like him. Lord, help us not to get absorbed by just looking around at all of the problems and the challenges and the difficulties. Help us, Lord, to look up to you and help us to look to your word as you revealed yourself and to see what you've said, not only just to to know facts, but to really perceive and understand what you're saying to us, to know that we're sinners who need saving and to know that, Jesus, you are our saviour, and Lord, and to know uh, that you are at work in us and that you will one day raise us from the dead. Lord, we long for that. We look forward to it. And so we thank you and we praise you. And we pray all of this in your mighty name, the name of Jesus. Amen.